Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. This is Maddie Kay. And John, welcome, welcome, welcome. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Working Experience Podcast. You know, it occurred to me at one point that my podcast name, Maddie K, has a lot of pop and pizzazz to it, where you just go with John. And I was right. thinking, it's like I, I've got to. It's like I've got to go to the bathroom. I yeah. got to go to the John. Yeah, and but I, was, I like I like that. I like to counterbalance your pizzazz because in real life you have zero pizzazz. <laughs> So I, I'm the counterweight to the Maddie K. Maddie K is the Hollywood, the flash. The fluff. Just the fluff. The fluff. There's nothing <laughs> the fluff. to it. I'm just the, See, I had thought about you going with Johnny B, Maddie K and Johnny B, but then I realized 
that could overwhelm our listeners with too much pop. Too much. You know what I'm too saying? Too much. So you're right. You're well, the, invaluable. Because uh, you know me. I'm off the cuff, hard in the paint. I take it as a... Com- I'm Donald Trump. You know, I'm just bang, 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 bang. You're, you're, uh, you're everyone's friend. Everybody's you're everyone's buddy. brother. Big buddy. buddy. <laughs> Get, getting in there. Getting in there. Getting in for that hug. Hey, it's Matty K. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, too much of that now. Too much of that. You got to be the bad cop. You got to come in and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Always. <laughs> always the bad whoa, cop. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm always just, I mean, there is, I know working experience listeners, you're going to be aghast at me saying this. You're going to say, no way, Maddie K. But it is true. You can go too hard in the paint. That can happen. That can Nonsense, happen. Matt. Nonsense. <laughs> well, uh, I was, as our our listeners know, because they were hanging on to our every word in the last podcast, I was in Portland, Oregon uh, last week. Lovely city. Delightfully smelling city. Did I mention that? You did. Actually, multiple times, almost to the point of fetishizing it. Yeah. It smells delight. Occasionally, this fragrance would just... I thought, do they have some sort of automatic spraying thing around here? To, I mean, New York, New York could use that because New York is a uh, New York could need that needs it badly. Yeah, um, but so uh, there's a river. The Willamette River runs through the city. Very beautiful, and uh, we went on this two-hour cruise on it. We get a nice view of the city and and some of the outlying areas. So there was this family on the cruise. And uh, one side, I would I would say was Filipino. I would get that idea. They were speaking uh, an Asian language, and I used to teach with a guy who's Filipino. I just just from the way they looked, that's where they struck me. They might be from. And then the other half of the family was Caucasian. So apparently, someone in the Filipino family had married this white guy. So they were having a family reunion, right? So I assume the Filipino faction of the family came over from the Philippines to visit or whatever. I don't know any of the backstory. What I do know is that, and I've seen this phenomenon before, but never <laughs> never mobile. I've never seen it mobile is the, the t-shirts that people make up for family reunions. Now, I will just say my family... 90% of them wouldn't even respond to that request. Like, if I went on Facebook and said, hey, guys, we're having the Kerr, uh, Enright, blah, 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 family, I'm going to get these T-shirts made up, and uh, it would probably be met with crickets and horror at that idea. That's, that's why you have to get the unisex, one-size-fits-all, and make them put it on. <laughs> Well, this is, okay, so this family, it was like the, the something and something family reunion. And there were there were very little children there. I mean, like two years old. And then obviously grandparents, possibly great-grandparents, whatever. And they, let me just say, they were all so excited. They were just beside themselves with excitement. They were all running around on the top deck, just, I mean time of their lives and they're all wearing these purple t-shirts with white lettering and on the back it said or maybe it was the front i don't really remember it said something like brit making connections to the past moving forward to the future 
<laughs> that was that was the slogan. So my mother and I were joking about it. We're like, first of all, if this even was posited by certain members of my family, the whole thing would break down on the T-shirt. No one would be able to decide on a color, a slogan, font. It would dissolve into acrimony. I'm not wearing that T-shirt. Who is she to make these decisions? Blah, blah, blah. So the thing is like, you know, I used to live in Brooklyn near Prospect Park. And every summer you'd see huge family gatherings having cookouts with family reunion T-shirts on. So everybody would be in red, yellow, purple, white, whatever it was. And I always thought, okay, well, they're at a cookout. It's one spot. Probably some of it was to make sure that non-family members were not sneaking in for a hamburger <laughs> like I would have done. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, hey, Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm long-lost cousin Maddie K. Just, just here for a cheeseburger. You got a cheeseburger over there in the... But this was a mobile unit. I mean, th they were on the move. And I wondered, like, first of all, the the Filipino faction, like, I wondered if they understood this cultural phenomenon, like if they do this in the Philippines, or if any of them expressed horror at the idea of we're waking up in the morning and we're all putting this t-shirt on and we're all going to walk around like this. Yeah, my, uh, my cousins um, on my mother's side, they were down in um, Maryland for a family vacation. I saw their post on Facebook. And sure enough, they, had, they all had the family-branded family vacation t-shirts on. <laughs> and I saw, I saw the photos of my cousin's children who were like preteen, teen. Yeah. And the look of angst on their face was priceless you know there was a massive fight to get that shirt on their body oh i mean i i've never experienced anything like this like my family would never my immediate family forget my mother my father my brother like we would never engage in anything like this my cousins like my dad's brother and all that there is no way this would happen now there are some members of the family that would probably love this, would probably get way on board with it. I just, you know, I was trying to think, like, if I married somebody and, you know, maybe they were from a different state or even a different country, and I arrived at one of these things and was presented with a T-shirt to wear, I, I mean, I guess I'd have to put it on. I don't know. I, it's just... No, you, you would, you'd have to, otherwise you'd be the party pooper. Well, I did see a guy... He was from the Caucasian angle of the family, and he was not wearing a T-shirt. And the thing is, he was a big guy. He was probably six foot four, um, big, not fat, but like he he was a big guy. So they probably didn't have one to fit him, which may have very much disappointed him, or may have very much relieved him that, <laughs> like, thank God, there's not a T-shirt here to. You, you know what? This also jumped in my head. I um, I was one t-shirt short on my trip. Like, there were two days left, and I only had one t-shirt left. I don't know how I miscalculated, because usually I factor that, that in. So I just bought a t-shirt at one of the, like, tourist places where we were. And um, I was looking through the t-shirts, and, you know, my size usually runs extra large. Sometimes... Like, it depends on the brand. Like, sometimes a large fits fine. 
and then sometimes it doesn't. Like, I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to pick sometimes. I saw, So I found, like, double extra large, and I held that up, and I was like, no, this is way too big. And I found an extra large, and I was like, okay, this is good. Now, there was only one extra large. There were all these smalls. There was, like, a medium, a few larges. Then they had six T-shirts that, I am not kidding you, were quadruple extra large. <laughs> Hey, quadruple. that's that's the that's what we're living in now. The quadruple extra large. Oh my god! I was I held one up. I'm like, you could fit two of me in this thing. I mean, it was massive. Where's that? I hate packing for trips, and I always get into a fight with Jeannie. She's like, you got to pack, you got to pack, and I wait to the last minute and just throw the bare minimum into a bag. Because she always overpacks for herself and the boys, and I'm ended up carrying it. So I'm trying to do myself a favor to pack light. Yeah. So we were going down to the Caribbean, and you know I pack last minute. We go down there, so we're down there, we're having fun. So I go to, you know, we're going to dinner. I go to get a change. I'm looking around. I get my stuff, and I can't find any underwear. <laughs> I had forgotten to pack underwear. Any underwear. Zero. I only had one pair of the pair I was wearing. <laughs> Good enough. Good enough. Good enough. Yeah. It, it'll last. It'll last. Mm-hmm. So what'd you do? Uh, I, I had to... I just... I left that underwear on, obviously, for dinner, and then I had to go buy underwear <laughs> at, like, the, the Grand Cayman Market or something. It was, it was a uh, disaster. Yeah. Well, um, so we've covered family reunions... And uh, now we're on to this um, Bloomberg WorkWise article. A series of reports aimed at helping young professionals navigate their way to financial and career success. Well, this article is not exactly about that. But it's, uh, well, it's to learn how your salary stacks up and how much your dream job might pay. Oh, you can try some career calculator. I see. You know, that is probably very valuable in the sense that, like, a lot of people have this idea, and we've talked about this before, like, they think you go to law school, you become a lawyer, you graduate, and all of a sudden they're handing you $200,000 a year, and you're on law and order. And that's not really the way it is, you know? Generally not the way it works out. So No, you're, you're usually uh, somebody's bitch for about five years. Yeah, at least. Yeah, you're working like a hundred hours a week, and and you're reading. It's brutal. Contracts. It's a yeah, it's a brutal existence. Yeah. So, and also the pay. I think a lot of people think like, oh, you know, you just you know, you're a lawyer, make half a million bucks a year, and again, that's not necessarily the case, or that might be twenty years in the distance. Um, so this Bloomberg article is about the jobs that bring the most satisfaction, the highest level of happiness in various um, professions. And they were the ones, some of the most contented workers don't rake in big bucks at all. Now, when I read this, I thought, I don't know. I don't really know. Maybe doctors, maybe financial people. I I don't know who is the most like, I, I guess it sort of defines or depends on how you define happiness or whatever. But um, the person or the profession that came in number one was firefighters. Even though their median annual income is just under $50,000. 
One of the happiest professions. Now, being a firefighter is a dangerous profession. Um, but I yeah, guess but I think that <clears throat> I think there is a sense of camaraderie and community among firefighters. You know, they most firefighters they you know they live together when they're on the job. They eat together. You yes. know, there there's a there's like a, almost like a brotherhood there that I think connects them. And I mean, I know I have friends and family members who are uh, New York City firefighters. And it's almost, it's the same kind of, um, you know, connection that uh, military um, personnel have. You know, there, there's this band of brotherhood. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, it, I think that might be due to their, you know, level of happiness. There's, there's a community there. Yeah. And unlike, say, police officers, like people really like kids love firefighters. I mean, police officers do pretty well, too, at the middle schools and whatnot. But there's something about firefighters with all their equipment. Uh, Women always love firefighters. I've had more than one woman say it's just the I don't like, you know, that somebody's a firefighter, you know, they can literally save your life. Like they, they, they'll come to the rescue. Yeah. And, and I think it's the sense of service, you know, with and obviously policemen are putting, you know, are also servicing the community, but like a firefighter is this like selfless act. Like they're putting their, they are getting paid. Um, but there, there are communities where my community, it's a volunteer fire department. It's not even, you know, you don't even get paid. Yeah. Um, but they're putting their lives on the line to help other people. To save other people. So it's this selfless act. And that might too, that probably um, plays into the fact that they're very happy. You know, sure. there's meaning in their life where, you know, like you and Matt, uh, you and I, Matt, we have zero meaning no. in our work. No, I don't do anything that helps anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I'm usually the negative. You know, it's like, oh God, here's this guy again complaining and whining and whining and yeah i just complain complain after complain yeah i know everything's just so oh the flight i mean the flight back from portland my seat was kind of uncomfortable i mean oh my god you know you know it was funny on the flight back to portland just to talk about complaints there was some issue with like the the tvs on the back of the seats and whatnot the stewardesses Every, it seemed like every seat they went to, you know, the TV isn't working. It's not. They'd be like, yes, we're resetting it. Like, this was the biggest deal. But a bunch of monkeys waiting yeah. to be entertained. Yeah. Like, how about you read a book? This kid in front of me, he had a book about the Kennedys. He was probably like 13. And this was a book I had read when I was in like, I think I was out of college. It was like the Kennedys, the American Dynasty, something like that. It was a really good book. And he was reading it. He had a hardcover book in front of him. Wow, that's impressive. That is very impressive. And it was, I mean, to me, like way above his grade level. But everybody else, the TV's not working. The TV isn't working. I can't plug my phone in and watch my, I can't play Candy Crush. Like people were seriously about, they they were getting very anxious. They were getting very, I'm I'm surprised there wasn't a mutant aboard. I know. I always think about, because I think I read this where a drunk passenger First of all, these days, you don't—you really can't say a word and you don't want to be intoxicated on an airplane because if you do anything out of line, it seems like the hammer comes down very quickly. 
But I was remembering this woman who I think she was really loaded and she freaked out and she tried to lunge at the door and open the door. Oh, <laughs> but but you, can't, you can't even open that door. The pressure is so great, right? I know, but it's still... I mean, whenever I'm waiting for the bathroom and I'm near the door, I think how funny it would be to lunge at it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, it'd be it, funny it, for a little while, you know, a little while. The the humor would quickly <laughs> dissipate as you're strapped to your chair for the remaining of the flight. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, occupations. So we had firefighters, mine cutting and channeling machine operators. I don't even mm. know what that is. I don't know. That's That seems like an, an outlier. I don't know. I mean, well, okay, mine cutting, you're cutting... Coal mines, I assume, and channeling them. I yeah. Well, I guess that's pretty self-explanatory what it is. Wow, that's amazing. I wonder why that is. I have to look that up. Pediatricians, that definitely makes sense. Com- okay. Communications professors. Well, I guess communications has always been seen as kind of a joke. Like all the athletes take it because it's pretty, and everybody passes, so you're not. Yeah, so it's probably it's probably very little for them to do in terms yeah. of preparing their course. Yeah, that's why they're so happy. They probably watch a lot of movies and ads and you know stuff like that. I remember I took a communications course at Fordham. It was fairly interesting, but it was like examining TV shows and cultural norms and things like that. Like, it wasn't exactly. It was probably good for the professor because you could just sort of talk about stuff that people found kind of interesting. Um, as opposed to like taking a math course or something, and then guidance counselors, um, which I found a little surprising. But I guess you know guidance counselors—they don't have to plan lessons, they don't have to grade papers. The thing is, though, you have to deal with parents a lot. You have to deal with a lot of angry, anxious parents, like their darling child is, you know failing math and you know that they have to deal with all that stuff so and and what uh, sorry just to interrupt but i was just reading the um the bottom of this uh this happiness oh i wanted to i wanted to get to that yeah so the guidance council's got a 7.9 so the satisfaction scores are based on a normalized scale of zero to ten with survey responses choices of miserable Not happy, mixed slash neutral, happy, and very happy. I would just go down the chart miserable miserable on every single... Miserable. 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 (laughs) Miserable. Um, Okay, so then the next, it's the bottom five here. It says, uh, let's just say the next time you head to the Department of Motor Vehicles to renew your license, crack a joke. No, I, I I have no sympathy for anybody in the Department of Motor Vehicles. I mean, I've I've had one or two experiences that were decent, but I've had a bunch that were maybe want to flip out and just yeah. I mean, this is no surprise. This is like the cliche DMV. Yeah, well, they're actually I mean... not listed in the in the bottom five, or at least the five they listed here. Um, so let's see. I'm going to start at the bottom. Telemarketers. So these are the people who are miserable in their jobs. Top top ten, top five jobs people are miserable in. Telemarketers come in at a 3.4 on the scale. Insurance claims and policy clerks, 3.3. Gee, I thought that would have been right up there with happiness. Plowing through, 
documents. Denied. 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 I, I would be happy as a pig in crap. Yeah. Just denied, sitting there. Denied. Just hey, uh, that insurance claim. Uh, yeah. It, it, uh, I denied it. Yeah. Just documents piling up. Just documents. Yeah. <laughs> just more documents. My, my, my approved stamp looks brand new. And my denied <laughs> stamp has been weathered. Is it denied? Denied. Well, I forget the details, but uh, Magisha, who I did two, Magisha Feruzzi, who's the uh, actor, I did two podcasts with him. He um, he worked for an insurance company. He worked for John Hancock for a while, and then he worked for another one for like ten years. And he said literally, like it, it, they were working with a Canadian company who were I, I forget what it was, but all they were still on a paper system. I guess the Canadian company. So his job was to deal with all their paperwork to move over to put it in the database. So he would literally have, you know, a two-foot stack of documents in his inbox. He would finish that, and then someone would come and plunk another two-foot two <laughs> stack of documents and just go, just bang. And, and that's what you've, that's what you've worked your entire life for. Now, Just another stack dropped on your desk. I would feel a real sense of contentment if I saw that my inbox was two feet high. I'd be like, oh, I have purpose in life. Here we go, baby. Here we go. This is what I was born to do. Uh, how, do you, how do you stay motivated? How do you, how do you stay alive I literally, in that environment? You know, the thing is, like, I don't, I don't know... And I've tried to say this before. It's not like I would I would get fired from these jobs out of some sort of rebellion or something like that. I would get fired for not finishing my work because I couldn't, I can't do it. Like, I would have to take Adderall, I guess, or something. Maybe that's what a lot of these people do. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you sit there for eight hours in front of a computer just entering data. I don't know how people do it. I actually kind of well, admire you could, that. You could do it. For a day. Maybe. Maybe a week. Uh, but we're talking about decades. Oh, yeah. How do, you, how do you do that for years on end? I don't know. I honestly don't. Like, I physically don't know. Like, I can't keep my eyes open. I can't stay focused. I, I would have a nervous breakdown. Like, I'd have to say, look, I can't do this. I, I can't do this. I, I can't sit there and enter these dots. Like, I don't even know what they are. So, um... Let's see. House cleaners and maids do not rank up pretty high on this. That doesn't come as a huge surprise to me. They probably have to deal with a lot of BS from people. Uh, court and municipal clerks. Now, that's a very coveted job in Massachusetts. Like, you get paid, like, you, you really have to know somebody to get that job. Of course, maybe once you have it, you're not that but happy. But it's probably it. the mundane, it's the same, it's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Well, most of these jobs, that's what they seem to be. I mean, telemarketers, we'll get to that because I found an article about that. I think with telemarketers, it's just the abuse that you have to take. And well-deserved. I mean, I don't have any sympathy for these people. And then topping the list of uh, lack of satisfaction was mail clerks and sorters. I, you know, I was at the post office yesterday. To pick up the mail and they're always very nice every time i go down there they're very helpful they they you know don't uh i, I don't yeah, know they're, they're same fine. same my local post office they're very nice I, I can't say that they're disgruntled 
No. I, again, it might be kind of Groundhog Day, but most jobs are pretty much Groundhog Day. So, just to delve in this a little bit more, um, I looked up this article on what does a firefighter do? Because, uh, you know, it says, while popular dramas often show firefighters rushing in to burning buildings, the daily work of a firefighter goes far beyond what's shown on TV, as do most jobs. Uh, disaster preparedness, medical response, serving as educators. Firefighters do a lot of behind-the-scenes work to keep our communities safe. Um, they prepare for future emergencies by maintaining tools and vehicles, running drills, staying in shape for demands for the job. Uh, yeah, that, that's the thing, too. you got to stay in shape on that job. You know, when I see a police officer who's like 300 pounds, that really pisses me off. <laughs> it really pisses me off. I'm like, your job is to help people. How are you supposed to save somebody who's being mugged in the condition you're in? Yeah, how how are you going to run after how the mugger? How are you going to do that? You know, it's just a disgrace. Like, I can't believe but that's... that they're allowed to do that. I can't believe that. Well, that's the other thing with, you know, firefighters and happiness is they they have to stay in good shape. It's almost like a prereq for their job. Oh, so... I think you'd have to be. I mean, I think you would get maybe fired if you couldn't get up i mean you can't do your job and you're you're you know so on you know quote unquote you know on the job or on company time you're working out and most people do that when they're not quote unquote working so that might be another thing that benefits them yeah in the in the happiness uh spectrum now this was kind of interesting firefighting positions in the private sector are on the rise i didn't know that there's a growing trend for federal and state agencies to contract with private companies for fire services and some insurance companies also hire firefighters to protect households from wildfires oil companies are a private employer um i don't know about that that's that's kind of interesting um i mean as long as i don't have a problem with some professions being privatized, as long as, you know, like teachers work for private schools, but as long as you, you have the, the publicly paid firefighters who you don't have to pay them $2,000 to put your, you know, your house out if it's on fire. Um, but like private prisons, you know, they've had tons of problems with private prisons because they, you know, denying services to their inmates allows them to pocket more money, which to me is just a very bad model, you know? And yeah, and, and their profits and growth are predicated on more people getting locked up. Yeah, clients, as they call them. They, they need more clients. Now, this article, I looked up telemarketers because, you know, I don't like anybody to be miserable, but if you go into telemarketing, you kind of get what you ask for. <laughs> I mean... It, they get so bad. I've had them call here at 9 o'clock at night where it's like, are you out of your mind? Like, call during dinner. Like, no, I don't want to refinance my mortgage. Yeah, and the, you know, and the the do not call list, it doesn't matter. I, I still can't believe that it works. Like, they can actually get someone on the phone that will listen to them and then buy whatever they're hawking. I can't believe it works. I think it's mostly senior citizens. Because mostly senior citizens, uh, first of all, are, are easily scared. Especially if you have like a, 
you know, somebody who's living alone, doesn't really have anybody to look out for their interests. I, this woman in the, uh, the Portland airport was talking about how someone had called her and said, oh, your social security number was compromised. Can you just give us the last four digits so we can blah, blah, blah. And she told us, she said to them, well, if you know it's compromised, then you should have my social security number. And she described other phone calls that relatives of hers have gotten from, like, supposedly the IRS saying, we're coming to arrest you unless, <laughs> you know, da-da-da. And someone called here um, saying, you know, gave a badge number and all this stuff. And my father, when my father was alive, he was just like, you know, he was telling me about it. And he told it to uh, an accountant that he knows. And he said, the IRS doesn't call. They never call you. They only communicate by mail because they have to legally. It's not never going to be a phone call. So a word of advice to anybody, the IRS does not call. They don't, whatever badge number they give you, it doesn't mean anything. Um, no, I'm not saying like these telemarketers are quote unquote legit. Like they're not trying to, oh, this one here, Rachel, Rachel from cardholder services. These calls come in all the time. Cardholder services. Jesus. Well, I, I have a, a bunch of like <clears throat> spam filters. I have it all set up. So on the display of my phone, it literally says spam or robocaller. Yeah. So we, we know not to answer. But now they've gotten so sophisticated that they, they'll mask numbers that are in my area code or numbers that we've called. So in other words, like I'm 631 or 917 or 516. So it'll come and it will look like, you know, maybe your neighbor's calling you or a friend or something and you pick up and they mask the phone, the, the phone. They actually like, they hide their 1-800 number and mask it into another number to trick you. Yeah. I know, and, and that's what makes everybody so unsympathetic to them. So this article is about how people make their lives miserable and waste their time. So one guy, uh, he's from, uh, he's Bengali. I mean, he, he speaks English fine, but he'll speak in this very heavily accented English and, and, and like uh, keep trying to engage the telemarketer and these very off track conversations that she can barely, or he can barely understand. Um, this other guy, Mark Levitt said he repeatedly gives bogus credit card numbers just to waste their time <laughs> and just keeps doing it. Uh, let's see. Most common place to see how long a telemarketer can be kept waiting for you to return to the phone. That's always a good one. Just to say like, yeah, hang on a second. Let me get a, yeah, this guy says Hugh Brown tells he needs to get a pen and paper and just leaves the phone there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what do he say? Never got to the 30-minute mark, but often broke 20. So just leaving the wow. person hanging on for 20 minutes. Uh, well, you know, I think it's like with these robocalls, they just don't cost them anything. So, uh, well, it's a machine calling you until someone answers. Yeah, well, and it doesn't cost them anything. So if they do 10,000 calls, they make it one. I had somebody call me five years ago, something like that, saying that I had wired money to Colombia, South America, 
and da 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 this and that so i they left a message and i called them back and was like what the hell is this and the guy's like yeah yeah yeah, we can handle it just uh give me the last uh, few digits of your bank account number and um so i gave him that and i gave him my social security number and i think they're straightening it out so that's good uh (laughs) but uh i'm joking about that i didn't do that um (laughs) i went to the bank and told them and they were like yeah it's a scam people get that stuff all the time but like they they really i just cannot understand somebody who makes a living scaring old people into giving them their bank account yeah it's terrible like it's terrible i mean you really have something wrong with you doing that um so folks i i guess the moral of the story is to try to get a job that makes you happy um which is fairly obvious advice but i i guess i would say this um sometimes you do have to take some jobs that are not terribly happy or don't make you terribly happy and you you know it's a process you're not going to get your dream job probably on your first go but um well better better advice would be to to avoid a job well yes absolutely yeah i think people are getting more more engaged with that idea like you know people have become so uh, their value has been t- so tied up in work that there almost seems to be a, a reaction to that, to be like, you know what? I'm going to do with less money so I'm not so beholden to an employer. I mean, let's face it. If, if you want to make half a million dollars a year, you have to dedicate yourself to that. And that's it. I mean, that's, you know, that's the way it is. But if you're willing to, you know, cut back and live on twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year, you can kind of more call the shots. I mean, yeah, you know. and, and there's there's more opportunities. I mean, there, there's so many different things that people can do, um, and it's just you know a job a job can be a soul deadening experience. Yes. Well, and, and you know, it if you want to sit there for eighteen hours a day or sixteen hours a day, reading through awful documents and doing that to make potentially $250,000, $500,000 a year, then, you know, that's up to you. I would just say don't complain about it. Like, you've made this choice, you know, and I, I hearken back to, I forget which article we both read, but it was like people going back to their Harvard reunion when they were like 50 years old and kind of realizing they made a lot of money but they'd sort of wasted their life trying to eke out an extra percentage point on right, some right. deal you know and it's like I, I you know it's sort of like all right man come on you like you you know what it is you wanted to make money and you did so don't complain about it now and start you know or or you know just make a change or make a change. you know if you if you don't if you don't like it stop complaining about it make a change yes but now I like to keep my head down, get right in the rut, right in the rut. Right. right? And, and then lift, lift your head up when you're 73. Well, and I like to complain every day. Oh, you're, you're a big lover of the Coming to work, griping and moaning, yeah. pissing about my commute, about how your Your complaints are like a, a warm blanket on a winter oh. night. <laughs> my coworkers just love it. I just gripe and bitch and gripe moan. constantly. Const- it's it's the soundtrack of Maddie Kay's life. <laughs> all the work I have to do, 
all all the time just wasting time <laughs> standing yeah. there with my coffee cup like uh, someone else is trying to actually get something done i'm just like oh, ted yelled at me because i didn't have that thing done i'm like hey man i've got a project just blathering on and on Oh, they love speaking, it. speaking of wasting time, we're, that's exactly what we're doing to our listeners. Let's, <laughs> let's wrap this up. What, are you, what A waste of time listening to me complain? What are you talking about? Yeah. All right, two things, listeners. One, make a choice. Quit the job that you hate. Two, stay right in it, okay? Complain, and then come out of that rabbit hole about the age of 70, okay? Two options, A and B. Yeah. There you go. All right, everybody. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. And as always, subscribe, share this on social media. We'd also love to hear from you if you send us an email at work at theworkingexperience.com. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.